Welcome to Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And uh, we are going through the book of Revelation, and today we find ourselves in a very slow, quiet, meditative, unexciting space. Revelation 8. Guys, we're into a new chapter. Wow! Hey. A new chapter, Revelation 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, you remember how many seals there were? Um, seven. Wasn't it seven? seven? I mean, if I'm asking for a number in Revelation, yeah, seven's a good good check. Go watch our video on the number seven. We have a video more. on it? it would, yes. Yes, you think it was, we would cover the number seven? We are on like episode 50 now. Yes, it's true. It's all right. We still got like 12 chapters to go or something. Um, no. 13. Uh, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, our final seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Wow. Okay. That's, that's all we're covering today. <laughs> half an hour rest, that's it? Like, everyone took a nap for a half hour. Well, I don't I know just... if it was a rest or a nap. I think it was more anticipation. Oh. Power nap. I like those. All right. Because this is the last seal. So this is going to be the big one. So this is where heaven is kind of like. Oh, snap. Yeah. Wow. For half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you caught on to that right away. Yeah. There's a, there's certainly something being stirred in the room, you know, like, because what have these seals represented in many ways? Like when. When they're open, a lot of times things go wrong as though, like, mm -hmm. judgment is being poured out. So, like, we're now reaching the final judgment, right? So there's this this pause of, like, like Olivia just said, anticipation. What's going to happen when that one's removed? Like, we would think, like, does the end of, of the world as we know it and the new creation probably getting ready to, to start? So, yeah, Olivia's already on to something there. Um, let me, there's actually a few, um, uh, scholars like, uh, uh, Beale are going to point to a bunch of passages that do what Olivia just said, where they kind of mention God's presence and silence, um, as judgment is kind of happening. Habakkuk, Zechariah, Zephaniah, uh, Isaiah, there's a few different passages, even from some popular Jewish literature, like the Wisdom of Solomon. There's these moments where silence precedes divine judgment. Mm -hmm. So there is that that intensity going on there. Yeah, good. What else might you read into that? Why half an hour of silence? Have you ever been in a silent worship service before? No. No? I At least not one that was half an hour long. Hold on. Have I been there or have I been awake for it? <laughs> <laughs> Many of Jamin's servants services are uh, half an hour of silence for Casey. That's true. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like half an hour to him either for some reason. Uh, yeah. So there's, um, I remember when I was in college, I was at a, a retreat and I was playing in the worship band and the worship leader just didn't start the next song. <laughs> like intentionally just. Like you pause for a minute to get the next song ready and then pause a little longer and then it felt like 15 minutes had gone by 
And was there nothing else playing? Like nobody else was playing in the background? Not for a very long time until one girl just kind of screamed, I love you, Jesus! After much, much silence. And it's weird when someone screaming, I love you, Jesus, ruins a moment. Because you're like, of course not. <laughs> like, like, I shouldn't say ruins a moment. But, you know, there was like something very, oh, to this. Like, you could just sense the intensity. God's here. God's present. And That's what she chose to, like, break the, the silence with? I think I so. I mean, if someone was going to break the silence with anything. I guess that would be the one, yeah. But even, like, the way in which she belted it out was there was an intensity to, like, I don't know what to do with everything being stirred up in this silence. So, like, yeah, even in that moment, like, it was, it was intense. And then I brought in the keyboard pads <laughs> after that moment. Um, and then we just sat in <laughs> keyboard pads for I don't know how long. It was a long time. It was, uh, I've been in a lot of worship services where spontaneous stuff happens. That was probably the only time, well, that was one of the only times where silence was the answer. I was preaching on Easter recently, and I was praying, and I paused mid-prayer, and then for whatever reason, didn't start up again for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Anyone who's like, it's the end of the service, we're about to get out of here. What the heck is he doing? <laughs> it was just like quiet. Casey said when I was there, I was like, you saw that you had five minutes left, didn't you? And you just didn't know how to fill it. So thanks, Casey. No, I just, like, I paused for a minute. And then I just, I couldn't. I just felt right. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Listen, what I said was a joke. It was supposed to be for funsies. I had another friend who, well, one of uh, our associate pastors here many years ago, Talked about the importance. Don't say of, many. Don't say many. It, it makes us all feel ago. old. It was. This was ten to eleven years ago, Olivia. It was before your time. No, oh, okay. You can say was. many then. That doesn't make me feel old. <laughs> uh, he talked about the importance of silence, and then made us sit in half an hour of silence. And he mentioned that some people came up to him at the end, like that was the best sermon anyone's ever preached. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Wait, it wasn't the week I preached. First off, but secondly, <laughs> wait, that was that was coffee sitting down person, right? No, no, it was beard. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we sat in silence for half an hour, and that was uh, for for me. I was sweating bullets the whole time. I was not aware this was going to happen. Like new people are here, they're never coming back. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that for some people, they just really found a lot of intimacy with the spirit in that moment. Uh, I fall asleep. It was me. You probably were there, and you probably did fall okay, asleep. Okay, yeah, that's why I don't remember it. <laughs> I couldn't fall asleep with all the. <laughs> they're gonna kill us. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are moments of like holy silence that I can think of. What about you guys? Have you had anything? I anything mean, anything springs to mind where as silence far as from? like holy silence, mm. I feel like a lot of us search for that um, by going out into nature where it's naturally a bit more quiet, a bit more somber, and you can kind of feel that. Mm. Yeah. That's a big one. We did a whole series on hearing God's voice. We talked about nature as like one of the ways of which people kind of embrace the silence. And Yeah, I don't find going into nature all that silence 
Yeah, I know people like that where they're just thinking of mosquitoes the whole time. Well, it's mosquitoes, or is there snakes nearby, or it's just my mind just doesn't calm at that point. Like, no, yeah, and if it doesn't, then it's not going to help you, so don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like for me in the city, hearing the noise all around me and me just being quiet, that's the way for me to do it. It's just. So you need white noise. White noise is perfectly fine. And that's what we're used to. Do you know, like, every day my watch is like, you need to turn your volume down. You've been listening to way too much loud stuff around you. I'm like, shut up. Like, well, and wasn't there, like... My tech doesn't get to tell me what I do with my ears. But apparently it does, especially to, in California, where it's mandatory. It's trying to protect you, Jamin. I don't like it. Any I get over, to choose what I listen to, watch. But if it's over 80 decibels, soon you won't It's have, always over 80 decibels. But soon you won't have the choice. That's fine. It's my choice. <laughs> All right. Anyways, what were we talking about? Right. Uh, silence. Silence. Yeah. Okay. One of the most uh, 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 popular songs I ever wrote was about sitting in silence. I don't remember the song in which you... Oh. <laughs> Questions in Silence. That yeah. one. Okay. Which was a song about when I'm quiet, suddenly I feel like all these questions are coming up that I need to answer as though the Spirit's prodding me. 21 Pilots has a song like that. I was going to say, when did you write that? Because this is uh, I wrote it before. Car radio? Car radio. Somebody stole my car radio and now I just sit in silence. Yeah, I mean, that that song though, 21 Pilots, like that's kind of straight to the point. When we're stuck and it's all quiet, suddenly all that stuff kind of bubbles up. We got to deal with it. And the Holy Spirit leads well in those times. Um, See, your questions in silence reminds me of when you did it in chapel and made your microphone a headphone. Or your headphone a microphone. It's true. Those were different times. Yeah, they were. Olivia's confused. I'd add it to the end of this video, but I'm lazy. Um, okay, what, what other reasons might you give to silence? So we have silence as like, a, it's intense. Silence as judgment is coming. The seventh seal is here. Are there any other ones you just pop into mind before I give some other possibilities? Well, I already said anticipation. Uh-huh. Yep. Um... Sometimes, like, dread. Mm -hmm. That would fit the judgment element pretty well. That's fair, yep. Wasn't it kind of like the calm before the storm idea? Like yeah, probably. Getting, getting prepared? Could be. If, if that feels like a calm moment. Well, it's the <laughs> It'd be a question if it's like... Like, is there any movie we can think of where there's silence and that's actually, like, the terrifying part? Uh, the quiet Place? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Quiet Place... What about, I feel like I've seen sci-fi movies or something where like the things appear and it's just like the dread is the pure silence, you know? Well, no, normally it's the silence happens after either you've had trauma or like because when a bomb goes off mm. and then like your ears are ringing for a second, but then it goes so quiet because your ears have just burst. Yeah. And so and then you can't hear anything afterward. That's, that's a dreadful silence. Mm. Well, some other themes that uh, we might be able to throw in here. Uh, there's a really good book um, based off some guy's dissertation. Uh, it's actually one of the better books I've read on Revelation, which is impressive for a dissertation. Uh, but it is... I'm looking for the author's name. <laughs> I like how it was just some guy. like Ryan Leaf... Um, can't zoom in Hanson or Harris there is H word Hanson. Ryan Leaf H word Hanson uh, it's called Silence and Praise 
and uh, rhetorical cosmology and political theology in the book of Revelation. So, if you're ever looking for a good dissertation to read, it's a dissertation, yes. Wait, how many people look for dissertations to read? Uh, usually scholarly people. <laughs> so, Jamin, all right. Fortress Press has the Emerging Scholars books, which are based off of dissertations by emerging scholars. Okay, so in this case, um, he gives a, a list, since this book is actually written about the silence in Revelation. He's got quite a bit to say about it. I'm just going to give you a few quick theories that he puts out there. Theories to which I honestly, I just kind of adapt them all. They all seem to fit the scenario. So we already have Olivia's judgment, uh, uh, dread, this like Where's it going? So wait, you're doing like John and picking from lots of things and putting it into a blender? I am trying to be like John to figure John out, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, also, uh, we know that following the judgment, we're supposed to move into the new creation, right? So uh, one of the things that Ryan points out is the new creation could be fitting in here as well. Um, for example, um, at the beginning of the world, there's nothing. Right, so we get this idea of of silence before creation comes into being. Uh, in Jewish literature, like for Ezra, um, yeah, what? Well, I don't. I wouldn't say we get it because we weren't there at the time because we weren't created yet. Right, but before there's nothing, or before there's something, there's nothing. If there's nothing, there's nothing to hear too. Right. right. Um, even in our cosmology, we just think of nothingness of space, and you can't hear in space. Unless it's Star Wars, in which case you can hear it, but it's always like five seconds behind. <laughs> Sounds more right. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, for Ezra, um, so in popular Jewish literature, it talks about uh, like in the beginning when the spirit hovered over darkness, there was silence. And then it talks about in For Ezra that in the end there will be a seven-day silence. Also... Uh, Second Baruch kind of gets into that too. So like there was this Jewish anticipation of silence coming before new creation came. So if John's borrowing from Jewish literature that he would have known pretty well at his time, it could not, it, it could be yes about the judgment, but then about the new creation that follows. That could be part of the silence. Uh, some other things that he points out is like silence has been not a thing up to this point. So obviously we do have a crux, which Olivia's kind of already pointed at, like something is about to change. Um, something is is getting ready to um, have a whole different direction here. Um, so if everything's been characterized by sound, John could be pointing out that now that is silence, like the ways of the world that we've known so far is coming to a halt. Um, he also mentions, um, where is it? I think it's R.H. Charles who did a lot of work with the Book of Enoch before anybody else did. Um, I think it, that's who he's referring to here. He says that uh, uh, there's kind of in some Jewish literature, like the Talmud and stuff, uh, that there was this thinking that the angels are, are praising ceaselessly by day, but they're silent at night. And apparently they're silent because of the glory of Israel. Uh, so the idea that Charles put forward here is like the angels are silent in order for God to, to kind of hear the prayers and praises of Israel. So that comes before his throne. Sorry, you said Silent Night, so I'm like immediately thinking the Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so his, Charles's idea is like, if angels are praising all day but silent at night, 
in order for the glory of Israel to be heard, then it's possible that like heaven goes silent to hear the prayers of the altar. Now this could actually fit really well. We just read the first line. When the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. But the next line is, I saw seven angels who stand before God with seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, which was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. Remember, in an older episode, we looked at the altar before the throne before. Remember who's inside of it? It's the spirits of the martyrs who have already died. And remember what their question was? Nope. God, when are you going to avenge us? Mm-hmm. Like that was their mm. prayerful question. Like, we've been killed. Do you not care about your children? To which God would say, just wait until the, f- the like full number of your brothers and sisters have come into the altar. Yeah. Right? Now, so... The- Quick question, the golden censer. Yeah. What is that? That's going to be our next episode, actually. Oh, okay. Because that's about the prayers of the saints and whatnot. But since Olivia's got it down with her orthodox background. A censer is um, what has, like, your incense in it. So it burns it. So, so you can see them. So it's a thingy? Uh, yeah, in really old cathedrals. Um, in and in the tabernacle in the Bible. The yeah. West. You, you saw it as a giant swinging thing in the church, and it would swing throughout the, the sermons, throughout the services, mm. um, so that the whole room would be filled with incense. Nowadays, um, you don't see them on that big of a scale in small churches. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if Catholics use incense and censers during their services or not. I think they might. But Orthodox, it's still a big thing. So... Mm. Um, it's like a smaller thing, and it's got bells on the bottom. So when you shake it for the incense to flow more, you'll also hear, like, the bells clanging a little bit. So, like, you get that sensory effect to multiple senses at once. Yeah. So it's biblical ASMR. <laughs> no. In, in the Bible... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, we know like old factory senses, right? Like you smell something, you think of something. So sacred space had a smell too. So like the tabernacle had a smell. You smell it and you think of God's space. It was practical too. There's a lot of gross sacrifices going on around here. Blood everywhere. It doesn't smell great. So the practicality of the incense is covering that up. But also... It's metaphorical. The smoke is rising to heaven, and John's looking at that and saying, that's our prayers going up to heaven. That's the incense of the heavenly tabernacle. So when, when Charles proposes that um, uh, it's silent because uh, the prayers of the saints are rising up so that God can hear them, and he tries to use Jewish literature to kind of make that point, That fits well with the whole scenario because as soon as it goes quiet, now we have the prayers of the saints who are dead in this uh, um, altar before God's throne, the martyrs. They're suddenly being hurt, being prayed, right? But God's already heard these prayers before when it was loud and the angels were singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So does that have to be an answer? No. Plus the Talmud, like... A lot of weird stuff is said in the Talmud. The Talmud is not scripture. It's what, like, the religious... It's kind of like 
if all the pastors today wrote a bunch of stuff and put it all in a book, you get a whole diversity of of thoughts and opinions. The Talmud's similar to that. It's not like the same kind of feeling as like Jewish literature, like Enoch. The Talmud is like just everybody's thoughts altogether. But if that was popular thinking at the time, then yeah, John could have grabbed onto that too. Like everything goes silent so we can hear the prayers of 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 the people. So maybe that, maybe that. Uh, either way, it fits the scenario very well. Um, some other scholars have thought that that's a really good point right there. Uh, but then just a few more. Uh, it could also be um, that the silence uh, was a part of the liturgy. So, for example, Olivia just kind of gave us, like in the Orthodox Church, like it kind of plays a liturgical mm-hmm. point, Absolutely right? Absolutely, like it it's, does in the service for a reason and it binds together much of the order of things. That was the same with uh, like the the temple throughout the Hebrew world. Like the incense was a part of that. So the silence could have been connected to the liturgy. Uh, possibly when people, when people like they didn't have Bibles back then, right? You couldn't just go to the store and pick one up. Which meant if you really wanted to hear the word of God and what John had written, among other people, you had to go to church and then someone had to read it up front. And that was commonplace that somebody could just read an entire letter because that's what these are, right? So today we're getting together and they're going to read what what uh, uh, John wrote for us today. So they come together and and they read it and a really good reader is going to, in a sense, kind of act it out. They know their material. They've... They've really invested time in it because you want people to catch on to it. It's got to stick with them. Uh, so it's possible. I don't think anybody probably acted out half hour of silence, right? <laughs> we already are here for 21 chapters. Let's not add 30 more minutes to it. <laughs> um, but it is possible that like somebody who is really acting it out, like maybe John's written it in for a liturgical reason, right? Like pause for effect. And leave it there for a long time. Let let it hang. Let everybody in the room kind of feel that moment. Um, yeah, and Pat, I think... Patton would not like that for an acting strategy. He was always pressed the page to earn the pauses. Your theater actor? Theater yeah. teacher? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, in this particular case, yeah, it's possible that liturgically you'd feel that if you pause. I mean, just imagine if somebody did that. In church. I mean, it'd only go for one Sunday because you'd be done by the end of it. But like, (laughs) still, that would certainly get your attention. Uh, There's one more thing I wanted to add into this before we're done, which Ryan points out here, is um, later at the end of Revelation, we're going to see ties to Babylon reigning for an hour. It's as though their hour has come, their hour is over. Uh, it, it was laid to waste in just an hour, things like that. So you're going to see the word hour used like four times in reference to, to Babylon. And here we have a half hour. You want to make any proposals off the top of your head? Could those two things line up? Because John, John often uses specific words intentionally. Was he, mm-hmm. Is he trying to tie those together or is that just happenstance? It's possible he could be tying those together, but we'll have to get more into that passage with the hour part, probably, to yeah. get a better idea. Mm-hmm. But knowing now that a half hour is related to 
judgment and destruction and the end of this age and the start of the next age. And that a full hour is related to judgment, destruction, the end of Babylon and the start of, of God's kingdom. We are already starting to see kind of mm-hmm. correlations. Yeah. Uh, here's the correlation that I think we might be hinting at. Now that we are just finishing the seven seals, the seven seals, we're going to we're going to start the seven trumpets. Okay. Which is basically a retelling of the seven seals. It's very confusing. <laughs> like it's it's almost as though John gets to the end and then just starts over again and you're like this is what's especially difficult for people who are always trying to like figure out the timeline of Revelation. Like, and then this happens next. It's like, yeah, but John's chronologically like, <laughs> it's like, all right, back to the beginning, folks. All right, let's say it all over again, but in a different way. Like, I it, feel like Genesis kind of does that too, though. So it's interesting that we have that at the beginning of the oh, yeah, yeah. Bible, and then also again at the end mm-hmm. where we've got here's this, mm-hmm. and now let's start over and tell it all again. Like, yeah. is it trying to like reinforce its point? Because like I know a lot of times with like memory or learning, mm-hmm. you have to repeat something multiple times for people to get it. Mm-hmm. And is that kind of what they're thinking of trying to do with repeating the same thing, just slightly different? Or It could be. It could be that he wants to keep making the same points but tell them with a different lens. I mean, uh, he hasn't really gotten into like... So some of the material that he's going to move into now is like reimagining our world through the lens of Egypt. Um, so there's kind of like a, let me tell it to you again, but as like the original Passover versus the coming Passover. The Passover of the Lamb that saved the Hebrews on their doorpost, now the Passover of the Lamb of God who saves uh, his people with the Lamb's blood on their hearts. You know, so like, so it's almost, yeah, kind of like reinforcing, but also like, let me tell it through another lens it's very confusing. Like, this is why you should not use Revelation as a chronological, this is the way it all goes down. Because even if you took the seven seals and the seven trumpets and lined them up side by side, they don't fit perfectly. It's just kind of chaotic. But the point's still being made in many ways. So one thing, I, one of the reasons I would wonder if he says a half hour of silence instead of just silence is almost like a, all right, we're halfway there, <laughs> you know? Now, now let me tell the other half of this letter I'm writing. So what you're saying is they're halfway there and they're oh, living on a prayer. living on a prayer. I'm very upset that that makes sense in light of today's themes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. So seven seals, pause, half an hour to the full hour, seven, seven trumpets to get all the way there. So... I think it's a interesting, just the more that I've read John, the more I've realized he's like a literal genius, <laughs> like literary, literal genius. Like his writing style is very creative and unique and bold and prophetic. And between his gospel and between revelation, the dude just takes a lot of interesting turns to try to make his point. So still feels like a blender to me. It's always a blender with John. And that is our next Jackson Cloud shirt. See you there, I guess.
It's YouTube. You know what to do.